What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Man, what a weekend it was. Uh, we had Nations League. Nation League final, semifinal. I was there. It was insane. We're going to talk about that. And just so much drama, so much, so much different things that happened with Nations League. Some coaches got hired, some coaches got fired, or one coach got fired. Uh, but here to help me talk about all that, we got Justin Ruderman. Justin, how you doing? Doing well, Gio. Wasn't able to go to the games like you were, but watching at home, uh, enjoying it. Uh, I watched the Mexico game at a bar, actually. It was great atmosphere, actually, uh, which was good to see in the United States because there were a couple bars that weren't even showing the game. And then one I found had, had a good atmosphere. But what was the atmosphere like there, Gio? Because it seemed it seemed very good, uh, at least for the Mexico game, maybe not so full for the Canada game. Okay, so I, I only went to the Mexico U.S. Mexico game. I, I didn't okay. go to the, the, the final, um, but the U.S. Mexico game was was insane. It was insane. Just like all all the stuff. Like, look, any any and these games are always always hype. All the all the tailgating. Just even like uh, on the strip, right in Vegas. Obviously, it was it was majority Mexico fans. Uh, you know, got an interview and did some man on the street. Got to talk with them. Uh, it was like, everything leading up to the game was exciting because you know it's like. Mexico had this coach that not a lot of fans like, Diego Coca, whether it was his fault or not. Obviously, I think that just comes with being the Mexican national team head coach. And you obviously on the other side, you had um, BJ Callahan, who's, who's their interim head coach uh, for the U.S. national team. I think me, obviously, as a Mexico fan, I was very optimistic. Uh, I knew they were, I definitely knew there was a possibility, a high chance that they would not win. But I was surprised, to be honest, completely <clears throat> surprised by the performance and how they they got smacked. But um, before I get into that, it was just it, it would to me it looked like a promising game for for Mexico. It just from the fans, everybody got to talk to, right? But I think, like I said earlier, everybody thought you know there was a possibility of them losing. But man, it, it was just mad. It's in there as soon as as soon as it, it got it going. You know, you got you had you had fights in the game. You had fights in the stands. It was it turned like low key. It turned into like a UFC fight. It was UFC fight night like match. Just literally everywhere. It was just like chaos on the field, chaos in the stands, chaos over here, and like everything you saw. And you know, it, it was it was just crazy. And um, you know, we were we were gonna do. I was with the, the group of guys that went. We were gonna do like the, some man on the street after the game, but we we like after we saw all that, we're like, nah, this is not worth it. We're not gonna get, we're not. Well, there's no point in trying to get any of this content because it was just it was just too chaotic, and um, yeah, it was surprising. It was chaotic. It, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of like uh, kind of disappointing in a way at how the the Mexican national team kind of. Uh, played and how dirty they were and you know how they they cried about everything and how they went about it it was just it was just a bad look overall just as someone who supports the Mexican national team as someone who's watched this team and I know a lot of people are comparing this to the seven seven nil loss to Chile but I kind of that is terrible in its own self right um but if anything could top that I feel like this Mexico versus U.S. game probably takes it because it's one it's your biggest rival three you got completely smacked around three zero and just how you you carried yourself in there and i i think in a way this overtakes that game wow yeah that's that's a big statement um obviously yeah you saw the frustration at the end of the game i think 
uh, obviously with the fighting on the field and, and all of that. But I mean, just started with Montez, right? Kicking out at Balaga. And that was just purely out of frustration out of it's two nil right now. And I, I, you know, we're getting beaten handily by our biggest rival. And, and that was the situation. And you hate to see that, but um, I, you know, I like to see the passion, like the West thing when he kissing the badge, like that is iconic. And to me, um, while you don't want to see players getting into it on the field, those moments are almost worth it to me. They, they bring the passion. That's why we come and watch these games um, is because of what it means, not only to the, the players, but everybody in the stands. And um, there's no reward for, for fighting in the stands. There's no, there's no reason for that. Um, so, so <laughs> it kicked out that shouldn't for be sure. happening. Yeah. It shouldn't be happening. No, no reason for that. But on the, on the field, it shows the passion from the players and uh, you know, Wes obviously apologized in the locker room after the game and it was, uh, he, he seemed on the verge of tears. He was a little choked up. It seemed to me um, and just saying, you know, we're a team we'll get this done. And, and he apologized, but uh to me, it's like you can't you can't fault a player for that type of passion. No, no, you can't. Look, any anytime these two rivals, you you always expected to be chippy and all that. Um, obviously, West Kenny, he's always in those little scuffles. I guess you you call it between the Mexican national team. He's definitely a favorite uh, to get it. He's one of the guys. He's always in the mix, regardless of what what happens. Um, but yeah, you I, this game, I, I expected it to be chippy. I expected it to be that way but i just didn't expect them to to be so nasty and those those frustration fouls and everything that's that to me kind of surprised me because obviously look it's a rival there's gonna be high emotions and all those different things but i think there were to me on the mexican side there was no real leader right no real leader Mm -hmm. to step up and cool calm down the boys and be like hey we're losing but we gotta get our you know we gotta be we gotta we gotta there's a way to lose respectfully and there's a way to lose ugly and just play ugly. And to me, this was just an ugly, ugly, ugly game just overall. And I don't think it needed to be – it didn't need to be that way. Even look, even if they lost, like I kind of had thoughts, but what's thought after the second goal, I was like, okay, they, they're not coming. You know? I think there's – there's me, if they would have lost, um, I guess in a different way, but I guess I don't know. There's no, there's no good way to lose to opponent. But I guess I guess I guess I think some of the frustration for, from the fans and everything was because uh, head coach Diego Coca it was not starting players like Santi Jimenez or you know players that have played in Europe right and are killing it and doing starting and there's other players that, that are coming like Liga Amekis and they're getting the start and they haven't done a good job with the with the with, with the Mexican national team and I think that to me at least on the fan side and maybe I don't know if this had to do with any anything of the frustration with the players but it kind of to me that's what I, I guess I could see on the fan side is the for the frustration is like, hey, we have this guy that's killing it. We have other players that are, are playing in Europe, but don't get the start. And, and they're not in the starting lineup, right? Like, I think if, if they lost with all their quote-unquote best players, yeah, there's injuries and stuff, but there were still enough players that play in Europe that could have started. And even if they went out and lost that way, I think, I'm a, I think it would have been an easier pill to swallow because you at least had everybody that was there. But the way they went out, man, it, it was just embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Santi should be starting um, for Mexico. He had a great season for Firenord, but you know, the U.S. was missing. You know, Tyler Adams, obviously a very key player, arguably the most important player for the United States in that midfield, and you know, and then in a final, of course, a, a couple more due to the red cards, but. 
No, I think there was, it was a pretty, I mean, both teams had basically their best teams and slightly off, you could say, for either side due to those minor changes. But yeah, it's just, I think you can see now after the U.S. has, for the first time, won three uh, cha- three uh, CONCACAF titles back to back to back now with the two Nations League and the Gold Cup and having a chance to go for four in about a month. Uh, the domination from the U.S. over the rest of CONCACAF is starting to show itself. And I think, you know, as we look forward to 2024, we can be appreciative that the Copa America is coming to the U.S. because that is the next step, I think, in the progression mm-hmm. of the United States men's national team is competing on the scale of the Americas and, of course, the international scale after that, but the uh, the, the uh, worldwide scale, excuse me, but to to compete with uh, the the South American teams is obviously a massive step up from beating Mexico and Canada. And so once it feels like the U S has conquered that step, it's time to almost level up, you know? Yeah, no, no, look, you you make a great point too on that, right? Like we this is without a doubt, everybody knows this. This is U.S. men's national team's golden generation, right? The players, regardless if they didn't have a, a good, Good seasons overall, I guess that's what you say, individual players. They still showed up. Uh, Christian Pulisic always shows up against Mexico. Uh, you know, I, I ended up sharing the, the the tweet that they made Christian Pulisic into uh, prime Ronaldo when he had the haircut just to the front. He shows up, man. Like, and that, and like, whether like uh, whether you're a Mexican that that doesn't like him or whatever, you gotta give him respect because there's a player that shows up in big games, and that that to me is like, okay, this this guy, uh, he shows up big big games, and that that to me is like, are in a way I'm like, okay, the the respect as a Mexican fan goes to another level because he's doing it, he's doing it, he did it last Nations League even with that way with that PK, he he got a brace in this game and just pretty much put put it out there and i think there was a clip that he said he's like we're no longer the underdogs you know and also understanding the moment uh, of where uh, the na- the men's national team is at uh, and obviously them surpassing to me obviously they sur- the mexico has been six games that they haven't been able to beat the u.s men's national team um you mentioned three 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 big uh trophies in a row and yeah and and it's unfortunate because mexico has always had the talent and all that but you see countries like the U.S. men's national team and, and, and Canada who have progressed and been able to build um, build up every single year, right? It's been, it's been it's, maybe it's been a slow uh, build up to what they are now, but the the thing it's, it's also the progression with 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 the academies, players being getting shipped out to Europe, and I think that's kind of like the big difference where I see the national team, right? You're getting players like McKinney. Uh, Pulisic, Tyler Adams, Aronson, they're all, they're right. You're, you're able to send your American born players, but you're also able to get players like um, Bolligan, right? Who was, who was going to play for the, uh, who, who wasn't getting looked at by the English national team and Sergio Dest, who also could have played for the Netherlands, right? You're also able to have um, at least in, influential players within the team uh, that have that dual national citizenship, right? And I think for me, th- and biggest one of them all, Ricardo Pepe, right? And I think that's where I see the difference between the U.S. men's national team and, and Mexico is those not just the players that are within your country, but also the dual national uh, citizen players. Are, 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 are Pepe is picking the U.S. men's national team. Sendeja has, has picked up the U.S. men's national team. But you're also able to recruit talented players like Yunus Musa as well. And that, to me, has been the biggest difference. And I think, look, 
there's a there's this big conspiracy with the men's and with the Mexico national team that you know the the right that the like players like Henry Martin this is a conspiracy I have no no truth or anything but this has been thrown out there that um players like Henry Martin who play for Club America who started over Santi Jimenez is there's supposedly some type of influence that Liga MX players are are starting over these European players because a lot of the influence from Liga MX clubs essentially run run the Mexican national team. Look, that's that's a conspiracy. It, that's one of the ones you can kind of see because they're in no in nobody's right mind. Santi Jimenez should be coming off the bench, and, and I think you, some of the I guess with the Mexican national team is like we always kind of know like look it's FIFA it's football there's some type of corruption but what I when you kind of see it and kind of like the way what's what's kind of happening with the men's national team you kind of almost be like they can't almost kind of cover it up a little bit uh, I, I think that hits a lot different and I think that's why you see the frustration with the fans and she you see also see no fans showing up for a third place game uh, there and look, I don't want to take anything away from you as men's national team, but they deserve all the credit. They've been and look. You guys got your own issues, but you guys have been doing it in a much more effective way than Mexico has done it the last couple of years. Yeah, well, I think when you're comparing the two, I think Zendejas is is a great example to look at because um, he's one that could have absolutely gone either way, and the Mexico national team. Well, not a, not corruption, but they just handled it poorly. It was just they they weren't uh, aware of the situation, and they they were told um, when when Zendejas played for him that he needed to make a one time switch in order to play that game for Mexico. Uh, they said no, we don't care. He'll be fine and let him play. Then they got punished. Zendejas said, you know, I'm not dealing with a federation that doesn't even know the rules or care to follow them. I'm going to go to the United States, who are not only a federation that is looking to follow the rules, but is also one that's on the rise versus the decline in Mexico and and uh, obviously U.S. now above Mexico. So um, I, I think it's just th- that type of um, little things that that. Um, come to fruition and uh i do have to challenge you on, on pepe being the biggest though um balagun is is by far the biggest dual national to to recruit i meant I mean in terms of mexican-american i mean oh okay i mean okay. i meant in terms of no obviously balagun's big i meant in terms of, of mexican-americans you've had some dejas uh gotcha. no 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 just just to go on agree, that agree I'll, there then yeah yeah yeah, yeah no and just we're we'll just to go on that like pepe just like talk about or like to me there's also a kind of like this debate you you saw Pepe score that that iconic goal right Mexican American player Pepe who didn't mm-hmm. get looked at essentially by the by the Mexican national team scores on Ochoa who is arguably you know a legend within Concacaf within FIFA just in general scores on a legend and, and that goal scores scores a third goal and after that third goal there's that kid with the Mexico bandana and a U.S. men's national team jersey takes it off. Kisses the U.S. men's. Oh my! If that if that didn't break any hearts, man, that that to me was just so significant and so iconic because it, what it means, right? Like at least for me, that that, that there's a shift in the next generation of kids that are watching this game and watching this rivalry, watching this rivalry with U.S. versus Mexico, and watching that and, and seeing that kid just I I'm right. No, and look, he gets to decide, and that's that's his choice. Pepe got to decide, right? Zendejas got to decide, right? And you had other players like John Rahu who who went with the Mexican national team, and 
that's why I feel like the impact uh, uh, Pepe will have with these kids and being able to score and, and those different things. Those to me are very significant moments. And, and I feel like Mexico is losing that battle with the next generation um, because who who's going to want to support a team that, that is losing and is getting smacked around. And right now, the, there's no rivalry. If you can't beat a team, if you can't beat your rivals, uh, rival at least once in the last six games and you got smacked around 3-0, like, is there really a rivalry? It don't look like it to me. So I'm saying uh, U.S. got to get some new rivals in Copa America. But, um, <laughs> but no, <laughs> look, I, I think uh, that was a symbolic moment for sure. And I think uh, I somebody tweeted simply, this is the moment. Right. It was uh, a, a f- emblematic of the switch from Mexico being top dogs to the United States. And well, it's been in the process for the past few years. It's completed in that moment in Tres Acero, in finishing them off in a dominating fashion, um, almost dispatching with Mexico and and proving the, the levels between the two at this moment in time. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely was. And I think you bring up a great point because I don't think that the U.S. has necessarily targeted that next generation, at least, you know, in terms of commercial marketing, um, trying to attract those type of fans because the the young Latinx fans, right, are the the contingent that are mostly heavily into soccer more than probably a lot of other, uh, uh, you know, contingents in the united states that the u.s can get fans from right and if the u.s is building on that and beating mexico and winning over these young fans that is how the the u.s is going to start to fill stadiums in the future like they Mm -hmm. failed to do in the final right yeah no no i'm completely with you that that's one thing if i was right if i was advising the u.s men's national team or anything like that they have to look at now advertising to 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 mexican-americans uh there's a big there's a big there's a lot of uh, pretty much almost everybody in central america supports the u.s men's national team and i think right now they haven't done such a done a good job but maybe a player like pepe who's who's mexican-american i think the u.s men's national should attract should market to they need to they need to market to to Mm -hmm. to mexican-americans salvadorians uh guatemalans and stuff because that's how you, you're right. That's how they're going to fill these stadiums. It was empty. And that's how, you, that's how you're going to be able. There is there is a big following. Look, I you and I go to a lot of these games. I've, I've been going to – and you, you you also have a Mexican-American friend that goes for the national team. Um, you know, and we all know a lot of those people. But right now, the, 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 the U.S. men's national team maybe is not paying attention or maybe doesn't feel like they can get those fans. But right now, after that peppy goal, and, you know, I was able to sh- – that thing just went – viral that moment of the kid taking it off and i think if the u.s men's national team wants to attract those fans or wants to fill the stadiums you do it by reaching out to the hispanic market or or said putting out those ads and you know you build it off peppy you build it off peppy and and that's what that kid is right and that kid is proving that it's not a difficult task that's why we're talking about it right it's not it's not Mm. something that should be difficult because the players on the field are doing the most difficult job for you right and so once that part is accomplished, once you're the better side, once you're winning Tres Acero, then it's easy to become a U.S. fan. Yeah, but you also got to have uh, – there's an, another caveat to that. This is why Pepe is so important. You also have a player that looks like you. Pepe mm-hmm. looks like me, right? Like, Absolutely. Right? I, I, Pepe looks like me, right? Pepe looks like – like any any Hispanic or Guatemalan or whatever can look at Pepe and be like, okay, 
that I'm riding with him because he, he we look similar. He was Mexican. You know what I'm saying? That's 100%. why Pepe is so significant. And that's why if a Sendejas kills it, right? If they if, if US ever has a uh um and they who do they have from the, the Sounders, what's his name? Um the Rodan brothers, right? One of them plays for the national team. Obviously, he's not on this team, but players like that are so important uh for the national team to for they need to have success within the team. And that's why I feel like that moment was so significant. And they they need to now target the Hispanic market if you're the US men's national team. Um, Justin, no, no, no. Great thoughts there. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about this. Um, obviously, uh, Nations League champion, um, uh, back to back. Uh, now you talk about Copa America, but look, we have gold cup coming up, but then there was news, surprising news from the U.S. national team that Greg Berhalter is coming back at all the great things that happened for U.S. national team. Uh, digest this for me because not every uh, it seems like the players are very satisfied and very happy but um the fans obviously weren't but also what are the players going to say right um you expect them to, to be honest and you know share their thoughts it looks like Pulisic is a, is a big supporter a lot of other players as well uh, give me your thoughts on the Greg Berhalter re, uh, signing coming back with the men's national team yeah uh, there is so much to discuss so I don't even know where to start but I guess it's a confusing decision, right? Because you hire a new sporting director, you bring in an outside company to in sportsology to make the hire and help you and uh, dissect these things. And you say that it's, it's an open process and all of these things. And then it comes out later that, well, in, in reality, Greg Berhalter kind of set a lot of these standards that you're going by in terms of hiring, right? All of these, he, he has the highest win percentage in U.S. men's national team history. He brought the, the recent trophies because he's been in the job. And so when you're comparing him with people who haven't been in the job and you're using those standards, it's a little bit questionable. Um, I looked over the, the, uh, the hiring process. To me, it just looked like a, a college PowerPoint. Honestly, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see much that had to do. I, it was about like your commitment to the United States. Uh, your your leadership abilities, things like that. I, very little had to actually do with tactical knowledge, with football, um, and so I didn't understand that. Maybe it, behind the scenes, it was it was better than that. I think it was just interesting that and confusing that you take you know these six months to do all of these outside things, and then you end up bringing back the same guy. Um, maybe mm -hmm. that means that he's just the best guy for the job and that everybody who's inside can realize that and nobody outside understands it. Or maybe there's another explanation in, in that, you know, when, when Crocker came in, that was the decision that when, you know, it, it seems like it has been a long-term decision in that Greg Berhalter was ready to hop on a plane to Mexico and take the Club America job until he got that phone call saying, hey, don't hop on that flight, Greg, because you're going to get the U.S. job, right? So yeah, it's – and then, of course, when it, it gets released, the moment before uh, Mexico kicks off, literally like minutes before kickoff, right, now you're, you're – there's questions all over of, of why is it being released then? Right. Obviously, the official announcement came the next morning. So why is it being leaked at that exact moment right at kickoff when the focus should be on the game? Are you trying to, you know, split media coverage? Is it coincidental? What is the real reason behind that? There's just so Justin, many I think we're questions. We're losing you real quick. Sorry, I kind of was cutting off, but go ahead. Go ahead. There's just there's just so many uh, 
points of confusion and question marks um, when it comes to this hire. And, you know, BJ Callahan has done a fantastic job in this Nations League. And that that brings up the next question. Why is he in charge of Gold Cup? Why are you not bringing Berhalter to go mm-hmm. and uh, be in charge of Gold Cup? Because if he's the manager, get him back in as soon as possible. The the negative you had was already leaving him out in this six months because you're kind of in a stagnant period when you, your whole idea is, well, we want to progress with the same, uh, same person, right? Well, if you want to do that, you want to get him back in the job as soon as possible, not leave him out for another few months. Um, so just a lot of weird decisions, a lot of questionable decisions where uh, just questions need to be asked and, and answers probably need to be given. Yeah, and, and it, to me, it's just so weird how they gone about it. Like, to your point on the, the Gold Cup, like, why isn't he coming back after this Nations League? And also, like, why address it now and not wait till after the summer, right? Like, if you're not going to put him in charge for, for Gold Cup, then wait to announce it after Gold Cup if he is going to be the guy, right? Or, And I think, to me, the planning was just very bad, you know? And, like, I don't know what what – why they want to leak it right before maybe they thought this was a this is a perfect time to leak maybe because you know what it is maybe maybe they it was, they wanted to soften the blow um you know with Gerg Berhalter and they announced it right at the U.S. Mexico game which is so weird so weird to do it and it kind of it's in a weird like weird way like don't you have want to have a good connection with your fans don't you want to have a Right. You can't tell your fans everything, but you want to be transparent and how you 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 share the news. Right. And this doesn't didn't like not every not every fan that went to the game or watched the game. Maybe some fans found out at halftime or after the game or that's that is such a weird way to find out if you're a fan of this team and how they went about it. And right. And you talk about the work that they did the last six months. Like, what work did you do if you ended up with the same guy? There's no way there's no way that. Uh, with all due respect to Gerber Hunter, there's no way that like you can't tell me uh, Jesse Marsh or other all these other candidates or what were there, what are like the details and stipulations maybe that will come out um, that a that a coach like Jesse Marsh or someone else didn't get your job and it, and it, it, it's it's a weird situation uh, at least outside looking in. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Um, I think it's it's one of those things where. Maybe it, something happened and, and something will connect the dots. You know, there's so many questions that maybe one of them, one of the answers will connect the dots. Like, for example, okay, was it leaked intentionally at that time? Maybe, maybe not. Well, if it wasn't, maybe it was a more long-term decision and it was kind of rushed because of the Club America decision that Greg Berhalter had to have. And then the the dominoes fell right when he decided to not get on that plane. People started to connect dots from there, right? Something happened um, in terms of where this decision was made or in terms of how this decision came out um, because it wasn't it's not normal for you to be playing a massive nations league semifinal and massive news of, of your next coaching hire to break at the same moment right that is out of the ordinary so why that happened who knows why uh, Greg Perhalter uh is back and what the full process was hopefully we will find out more um what i found interesting is like you're bringing back a a coach as well that has known issues with players on the team right he hasn't spoken with he hasn't spoken with three players gio reyna ricardo pepe and zach stefan since the world cup since they were told uh, well, Stefan was told, uh, or sorry, Pepe was told he wasn't going, but the other two after the World Cup, right? So 
you're and then you say, well, it'll be dealt with between me and Geo and Matt Crocker. Well, what does Matt Crocker have anything to do with this when he wasn't even there when the issue started? It's it's uh, and then you say, well, I'll talk to them when they reach out to me. I just don't understand these type of things. Uh, it's it's you're having to resolve a lot of other issues, outside issues that wouldn't be an issue with with, uh, you know, another manager. Coach. Yeah. yeah. And also to that point, uh, Gio Reyna, you, you saw like Greg Barhill to not pay him and not play him in the World Cup, which to me made no mm-hmm. sense. And obviously there was like some issues going on that obviously we found out after the World Cup with Gio's parents and all that. But like you clearly see how important he is to mm. to, to the men's national team, the way he controls the midfield, the way he, he can you know use his skill just to just to break the lines and everything. You see how talented he is. And uh, look, and I think Kind of, which is so weird is like that that the uh, the U.S. Federation didn't consider like that whole situation with Gio and his parents and how ugly it got and want to rehire. Because look, I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't know anything, but I don't feel like Claudio Reina and Greg Berhalter have spoken since all that stuff leaked, right? Since all that bad blood that's there. Look, you can you can always hash things out, but I feel like there's always going to be that bad blood between them especially say if Greg Berhalter decides not to play Gio or whatever hopefully they can overlook that and he gets the playing time he able he's able to start but if they're it just seems to me like outside looking in like uh Greg Berhalter with players sometimes you know even when that Weston McKinney thing happened or certain things that happen with players I I think he doesn't under he doesn't know how to handle the situations and you know it kind of those situations end up coming out to the media instead of kind of like some of those things should be kept in-house um, and I think Greg Berhalter doesn't understand how to handle certain egos. And I think he I th- he comes across that his ego is, is bigger than everybody else. Outside looking in, that's just my perspective. And hopefully he can, ha- he can handle those individual situations a lot better and w- with his experience. But yeah, I'm very shocked that he's a guy. Yeah, well, uh, that's that's what it is. I mean, it's not, to me, it's not about Matt Crocker. It's not about Claudio Reyna. It's about Greg and Gio. Can they resolve their issues because that's the coach and that's the player and those are the two and it's between them it doesn't involve anybody else in my opinion yes claudio was actually involved in the situation matt wasn't crocker that is um but i just you know and and geo you know he's clearly not over it right that him putting blonde hair in these games is a statement he's saying everybody look at me watch me on that field because Mm -hmm. i'm going to be taking over this game and he did that in the final he is at 20 years old has the most goal contributions ever for the united states in finals right he is the most talented player to ever play for this nation and to to have that type of player Oh, it's 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 under it's not a question. He is the most talented player to ever play for the United States, and to have your coach in an argument or or whatever you want to call it with that player, that is not beneficial for the national team, and that needs to obviously be the number one uh, job that that Greg Berhalter needs to tackle when he steps back into the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he just got to know how to manage egos, and uh, that level, you just got to know how to manage egos. But neither of them, you, neither of them, seem willing to be the, to make the first step. Right? They're both like, well, when they talk to me, I'll I'll, I'll have the discussion. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's how it typically goes. But also, I, I also I, I think when it happens like that with coaches and players, right? Look, we have a perfect example with Steve Shondo here in LA. Those situations don't really get leaked out or anything like that happen, right? And I think it's all, I think it's, it, to me, it's also like 
like yeah maybe maybe Gio was acting very childish and all these different things um but maybe also Greg Berhalter I think he, he he's shown that he's he doesn't know how to handle the situations right when players are acting or being a little too egotistical or not showing up to practice or this and that there's a way that that you have to have some psychological that's where great coaches come into play like like you know you're you're a big fan of pep right you know stuff like that doesn't get leaked out stuff like pep doesn't put up with that because i think he also sets up he sets up he sets up a foundation he sets up like these are this is what it is and this is how it is but he also has that resume and I think um, Greg Berhalter being so buddy buddies with uh, obviously being best friends with Claudio Reina and all this stuff, I, I think he didn't know how to properly separate it. And then he he ultimately kind of flipped on on Reina. And I think that that's where I think Greg Berhalter is not not as talented when it comes to coaching because that that, that doesn't have to do with any of these tactics. It has to be able to how to handle these social situations that may be a little stressful. Be like, why is this kid acting up, or why is he doing this and that, right? You got to know as a coach how to handle the situations. Look, I don't disagree with you, but just to play devil's advocate and and say it is a more difficult job in a national team than it is as a club. When you look at, for example, the Pep Guardiola, when he has an issue like Jao Cancelo, who's being an issue in the locker room, he ships him out immediately, right? And you can't just do that in a national team. You can't swap players in and out. You can't sign a player or sell a player. There, You have the players that you have. And so it is a little bit... um, you have to and, and so but that also brings up uh, what you're saying is more important in a national team right having that ability to have a good relationship right. with every type of person and every type of player is more important well yeah well, so because so, you're, you're you're not going to have these players like on a club team every single day but you got to understand that like hey for these well how long is it work up a month and a half two months or whatever you got to be able to understand like hey these guys are coming and playing look some of the club teams that these guys play is it's clearly way bigger than the U.S. men's national team. Like as a, if, as a coach, you don't understand that. Like you know how like how not. I'm not saying it's more important. I'm saying they're just bigger with the limelight, the the star being super superstar. I mean, nothing's bigger than the World Cup, but yeah. I know what I'm saying, but what I'm saying they don't get the. I'm a, I'm let me put it this way, right? When um chelsea right when chelsea won 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 the won the the uefa champions league right they had the parade and stuff like that they get more love out there than they do here because we got so many other sports we got nba and stuff what i'm saying is like they maybe maybe because if they have those experiences come no, i'm not saying this is what happens but right like, hey maybe this brings i don't have to go as hard in practice or maybe i don't have to whatever the case was my point is going back to like you got to understand if you're Greg Berhalter to understand like how, how to handle that. Okay. Maybe this, he's, he's coming off hot, he's feeling himself. All right. You know, let me just, you can't completely. So you just got to be able to handle the situation better. Forward. Are you still there or did I lose? I think we might've lost Justin. Let me see. Justin, you there? Yeah. Can you hear me? I think we might have cut out for a bit. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I think we cut out for a bit. Yeah, I had I, I switched to my hotspot because it wasn't my my internet was cutting. No, um, yeah, yeah, just the Giorena thing. Um, I right, let, let's finish off. Obviously, uh, U.S. Men's National dismantled Mexico. The beat smashed on Canada. 
news just broke. Obviously, Diego Coca, Coca national team. As a U.S. national team fan, what are your thoughts outside looking at Coca uh, getting fired? Look, I mean, this is what Mexico does. They sack managers very quickly, and, and oft, after bad results like this, they'll generally be gone. But it is very quick. I mean, what, seven games, I think, for, for Diego Coca, um, which is just ridiculously quick. And my reaction as a U.S. fan is simply that the U.S. broke Mexico. I mean, they, they don't know what to do anymore. And uh, the reaction is just, we got to sack a manager, get a new one, and try and go from there. Look, after look for me after being at the stadium and seeing how, like I said earlier, how ugly it got with the fans and just the field, I felt there was no way back. I, I felt like I didn't. I, I felt like he was gonna get fired. Like Mexican, you never know. There's just weird. There's all these different points in the national team. So a lot of people were kind of surprised um, with the firing. But I think anytime you lose your biggest rival like this. There's no, there's clearly uh, ever way back at, the, at the, these high stakes. Uh, what were what you going for? Because also, like, this, at least for me, now they want to appease the fans. And to me, you, you, this is where I talk a little bit about the corruption and everything uh, behind the scenes of people who influence the national team. Because Coca was probably not the best guy for this job because of what the type of players. There was other guys that probably could have got this job. And I think for me, it was hard to see another Argentinian coach get the job after what happened with Tata Martino. Um, and I think you needed someone um, that w- didn't have, at, at least that was, at least for me, like that wasn't, uh, that represented the Mexican national team. It didn't have to be Mexican, but I was very surprised that it was another Argentinian. And now you see the interim is Jaime Lozano, who, who's Mexican, who was one of the candidates who's had success with the, with the younger generation. He's going to be interim. But it's, I think they're trying to appease the fans back because I think all the fans, at least from the Mexican side, they're not planning on going to the Gold Cup games. Um, and when we start hitting the pockets, right, it will, we'll, we'll see if this is going to appease the Mexican fans. But uh, the Gold Cup is down. Mexico, a lot of a lot of players like Alexis Vega is not going there's a lot of players that that they said that they don't want to come come back for the national team. There's there's a lot of chaos and drama. And like you said, it did it did break Mexico, but also it's like, you know, if you got if you got players that don't want to play for the national team and don't want to go to the Gold Cup, you know, it kind of says a lot. And Mexico is the biggest money factor for Concacaf and Gold Cup, right? If you don't got the Mexican fans coming out. And those those stadiums, they're gonna play games at SoFi. That game's not gonna be filled. <laughs> it's hard for me to see Mexico fans come out to those games and, and fill that up because it's it's not. It doesn't to me. Uh, there's a lot of fans not wanting to go, and I don't know if Jaime Lozano and the firing is, is gonna quickly uh, change their mind. So that's what I was going to ask you, because I was wondering from the outside why Coca was not at least given the Gold Cup. Right. Because, you know, he Mexico could go and win that, especially with the depleted squad the United States is going to bring. And if Coca was able to do that, maybe he could, you know, salvage a little bit of his uh, reputation. Do you think it is simply a goal of bringing out Mexico fans or is it what, what exactly is that? Well, I, it's, to me, it's look, it's like the Federation finally stepping up and realizing like, hey, we, we got to make a change because, right, like when you – no one was going to go support Coca, even if he was, he was a coach. He probably would see similar similar 
uh, uh, fans at the game that they were at the, at the third place. Because the fans are going to go support the national team no matter what. But I think when you when when this happened, an embarrassing loss to your biggest rival is that there's no way for, for me. There's no way to come back from that as a coach, even if you keep your job with the fans. There was no way. Everybody I talked, everybody was pissed. Everybody seeing that live and just feeling that I was like, there's no way he's coming back because even like you can't lose that way. And, and, and there's no way you, you can come back as a coach. You can't lose that way. You can lose, but you can't get embarrassed like that. And no one's going to ride with you as a coach. And I think that's when the Federation realized that they're like, yeah, this is a lost cause. We, we can't keep riding with this guy. And there's no way. They, they still got to make their money. The only way they get their money is when people go to these stadiums and go to these arenas. But you also got the players saying that they don't want to be part of the national team. That's another hit on the coach. That's another hit on the federation. That's another hit on everybody's pockets, right? So I think they realized very quickly, like after that happened, that they messed up and they've been making poor decisions. And now they now the Mexican federation is having to backtrack with all these all these moves that they're doing. But you gotta look, look at you. You gotta mention you got Gold Cup coming up, but those was a League's Cup. Alexis Vegas, who plays for Chivas, they didn't want to play in the Gold Cup. Gold Cup is also like, in a, in a sense, kind of watered down. You know, and it just, it, it, U.S. isn't taking their best team. Mexico isn't, isn't having the best players. May I don't think Canada is. You know, like Gold Cup is kind of in a way losing, what? losing. It to you. Are you still there? We're, we're losing you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's sketchy uh, connection today, but um, no, it's it's interesting. <laughs> I would draw. I would draw the parallel because the U.S. is like uh, – it's something we forgot to mention about Burhalter because the U.S. is kind of uh, on that other side. Obviously, they're keeping Callahan uh, for the Gold Cup, which we did discuss. But to to see the the difference between just winning and winning in style, right? And that's what you were talking about. Mexico on the other side, losing versus losing badly, right? There's a difference between just losing and getting embarrassed. And there's a difference for the U.S. between winning and scraping by, which to me is what Greg Berhalter has been doing in, in these type of competitions, versus dominating them, which is what we saw this tournament under B.J. Callahan. And so it brings up the question, you know, you're announcing it uh, right before the Nations League, and then BJ Callahan dominates the Nations League, um, which to me shows that what, at the very least, that anybody else can do what Greg Berhalter is doing. If not, that Greg Berhalter is holding the United States men's national team back because we saw changes from BJ, like starting Geo, playing Geo in midfield, playing Joe Scally, that made large differences. These are things that, of course, Greg Berhalter did refuse to do at the world cup. So it brings up that question as well. And and I see the parallel. Yeah. He's like a good coach for, for the U S national team. Um, he's looked great. Yeah. Yeah. He looked, he looked, he looked, he he looked wait, the main, the changes he made and starting Balogun right away, he started the best players without, you know, he didn't do this whole weird process. Others coaches to, uh, let's finish off this. Obviously we, we, Obviously, you you watched the LAFC game. Um, I know the Nations League kind of, kind of took over everything. Give me your thoughts mm-hmm. quickly. They won. Um, they got a bounce back win against uh, SKC. Yeah, of course, uh, big win to get back on track. Um, Vela scoring, you know, his second open play goal if this season in the league. So uh, 
that is really big for LFC. If he can get going, that can really uh, jumpstart the season or not jumpstart it, but, you know, get, get it back going after this slump um, because it's been poor. And Denny Boanga has been really the only goal scorer, scoring nearly half the goals for LFC in all competitions this season. And so Vela needs to be able to contri- contribute uh, and chip in there. Um, and, and him catching uh, Kyrie Shelton, I believe it was, napping and staying on side for that winner. Um, it was, you know, maybe not the best performance from LFC, but in the sec- it was also vintage, though, because it was uh, Steve Schrundle making a halftime change that helped and was definitely more defensive, but ended up getting LFC two goals on the counterattack, uh, one at the beginning and end of the second half. So it, it worked out. Um, it may not have been pretty, but got the win and got back on track. We'll we'll see. They actually got a busy schedule here coming up. So with those games, look, uh, Justin, I think we, we kind of know that with everything going on here this week, uh, this past week, and excuse me. Um, but yeah, man, hope to see you on uh, next week. And everybody for, that tuned in and watched it, we appreciate you guys. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye, everybody.